mercy, look at how and welcome time everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, so John Allen, and today I have a, uh, he is a uh, strawberry blonde bearded Norwegian Viking <laughs> by the name of Andreas Einar Sørensen. Now, 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 Andreas, I could have said Andy Sorensen, but I don't yeah. want to Americanize your name. I think you've got one of the coolest Norwegian names I've ever heard. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you for that. <laughs> but actually, I shouldn't compliment you. It's your mother who named you. You, that's not, you didn't pick your name. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had no say in that. You had no say in that. That's like well, actually, my, my middle name I had a say in because, oh, really? um, yeah, I took my, my father's... Um, Middle name, Egeli. Egeli, yeah. Egeli, that's my real name. Ein oh. Harir, that's my title in the Viking world. Oh, okay. So, let, yeah, now let's just get right into it. So, you yeah, you, cool. you took a name, um, a new name, you know, based upon the old uh, Viking customs. Um, yeah. Talk to me about that. Now, you, you're very active in uh, the, the Viking martial art known as glima mm -hmm. tell me about that what is glima what is the concept behind it well basically glima is uh, uh, the, the battlefield martial arts if you yeah get the trip. yes when you are disarmed um with your sword or shield shield, shield or sword yeah uh, club knife yeah. club axe whatever you had <laughs> then you had to have, go into a wrestling style uh, of martial arts uh, in fights or uh, close combat to get your opponent down yeah and while <laughs> your opponent is down you do, you don't want to roll around with him on the battlefield with so the, 100 other vikings with swords right so, so the concept is to get them down as quickly as possible and then mm. get rid of them as as quickly as possible do yeah, enough damage get, get yourself up yeah do enough damage <laughs> to them way. do enough damage to them as quickly as possible so that they are out mm. of the fight and you can get back into the fight yeah yeah the whole name glima is uh, old norse for uh, flash oh of course and, of uh, course yeah yeah <laughs> As a glimpse. Okay, exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, everything happens in a flash, or that, yeah. that's your that's your main goal, right? Because a lot of there's other martial arts styles that involve uh, you know, and I don't want to say gleam is a non-thinking martial art, but but there's other martial arts that use time to build up a strategy to search out the enemies. Or the opponent's yep. disadvantages, and then capitalize mm -hmm. on it, and that takes time. Yeah, but going For back, for instance, uh, yeah? Brazilian yeah. jiu-jitsu, yeah, um, karate, yes, yeah. Um, uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu. Those things judo. take time. Yeah, it takes time, and it's um, it's a game of chess. Exactly, Lima is also a game of chess, but it's. Um, we utilize uh, pain techniques with elbows and uh, fingers into various um, pressure points. Pressure uh, points. Okay. And it's not like the pressure points that you know uh, makes you unconscious or uh, <laughs> five finger death punch or something like that. <laughs> it's to uh, manipulate your opponent's um, body and movements so you're at his and 
in a disadvantage. It's almost like you're trying to distract them by uh, inflicting pain on them so that yeah. you then can take the death blow, so to speak. Yeah, or get out of the way. That's, or get away, uh, that's yeah. The main, uh, that's the main focus or the main goal. Because on the battlefield, you don't want to grapple for, let's say, 30 seconds. Then some of his uh, <laughs> comrades are yeah. going to stab you in the back, right? That's one thing that I always thought was so unrealistic. Um, I, I like that you're mentioning this, you, you know, because you're talking about uh, a historical martial art that was that that mm. was really used uh, in, in mm -hmm. history. It's not. Yep. It's nothing fake about it. It's not a sport. Yep. It is a martial art, and I and I. I, I refer to these Hollywood movies. Uh, what was that movie with Mel Gibson? Um, the Patriot uh, from uh, from the Revolutionary War, where they had the big battle with the you know the American revolutionaries and the British, and they're on this field, and you see people fighting and and uh, yeah. like one to one fighting in this big field with thousands of, of, of combatants and they're only yeah. focused on that one person that they're looking at and I always thought that that was so unrealistic yeah you don't you don't have how could you have that much time to fight one person in a full battle with thousands of combatants it's not realistic yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's mind-boggling that uh, people um, they trust what the movies are uh, yeah the, the movie I've is. Been a, I've been in a battle in York with 250 Vikings on one side, 250 Vikings on my side, and we clash in the middle. You don't have time for one to one. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you that. But uh, now, 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 within the art, uh, the martial art of Gleam, uh, uh, mm -hmm. is the ultimate goal to kill the opponent, or is it to just? incapacitate them so that you can move on to the next yeah <clears throat> incapacitate yeah um get yourself out of the way so you can grab um, a sword or a, or a weapon again okay because this is when you were disarmed and this is uh, the glima part of it was the last resort so to speak i see yeah of yeah, course after, after you've been disarmed yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. As the last resort, when you lose your weapon of choice, mm -hmm. say an axe or a knife or a resort, mm -hmm. then you have to get in close because uh, your opponent is very, very dangerous on a distance with a sword. With a sword, of course, yeah. yeah. Or a club, you know, they can swing a club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah movements right 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 you have to restrict his movements because then for, it was a team fight because for example in the when i was in the marines and they taught us hand-to-hand -hand combat mm -hmm. um a lot of that hand-to-hand -hand combat was with us still holding our rifle we still mm -hmm. had our weapon mm -hmm. uh or maybe we yeah. still had a knife in our hand Mm -hmm. uh, and then when it got down to us not having a weapon in our hand, we were taught how to, you know, to choke a person out, to break their neck, you know, to snap yeah. a limb or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was like different stages of yeah. learning in that hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, that, it was yeah. a whole process. Whereas mm -hmm. Gleema is focusing on just how to fight when you have been disarmed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And... This was uh, a sport 
um, or the wrestling part of it. They they uh, competed every day, you know, from from the day you were six, seven years old. Yes. Up until you had to have your uh, weapon sharp at 60. That's in the Viking laws. Okay. You had to be battle ready till the time you were 60. Interesting. And it's... <laughs> it's uh, now this is common to be sixty years old in the Viking age. I can tell you that. I was just going to say this is probably a law that never had to be enforced because most of them were dead. What was I, I want to say? I read somewhere that if you were, you know, and this is going back to like you know, yeah, before one thousand AD, um, hmm. like four or five hundred AD, if you were a Viking and you were thirty-five years old, you were considered an elder like a like a a, a, yeah. a grandfather yeah. in in the culture 35 years <laughs> old yeah wow <laughs> grandpa it's, andreas yeah, it's amazing <laughs> but they wanted to die in in battle because then they went to alhalla and had a glorious afterlife so to speak if you didn't die if you died of old age you get, you came down to hell which oh, is really bread. yeah Oh wow! Yeah, which is healing hell. So I would imagine then that uh, for as long as they were able, the men would go out into battle, oh, yeah. hopefully to die. So you know, ra hopefully rather than die of old age, yeah. Look in their uh, enemies in the eyes, because if you if you died an inglorious death, like stabbing in the back, yeah, then uh, it was. Um, Commonly known as, as you were running away from the battlefield. Ah, so it was a right? dis dishonorable death then, yeah. Yeah, you didn't want that. So the whole thing was to die. In the stomach or yeah. down or something, yeah. So the whole thing was to die looking the enemy in, in the eyes. Yeah. yeah, face forward in the okay. battle, yeah. Stop mm. looking me in the eyes, man. You're making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to club you over that. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> now, 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 fa fast forwarding to modern times, where can mm. you train Glima? Are there, are there, are there, is, is this, is this a society? Is this a group that gathers where you can actually train it? Or is it more, you know, I see you training at the gym um, yeah. with our friend Christian and, and you guys are just doing your thing there. But is there a, is there a gathering of others who follow this martial art? How popular yeah. is it? In other words, how popular is it in Norway? <laughs> The popularity has uh, you know, not been that great down now the, the last years, mm -hmm. but uh, you can come and train in Kolbotten. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a wrestling gym there. That's right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the guys there will <laughs> take you for a ride. <laughs> but, those, but those guys are doing more traditional, like Greco-Roman wrestling and whatnot. But I'm sure yeah. that's very, that's, that's their main focus. Yeah, but that's good training for you guys who do glima. It's it's of it's still course. it's still hand-to-hand -hand combat. Yeah. Every every martial art that you uh, that you train will give you some advantage in sure. other martial arts because it's it's the um, uh, accumulation of information and. Uh, experience right sure well there's a lot of muscle memory involved in mm -hmm. all of those yeah. wrestling type you know wrestling jujitsu uh yeah. you know judo and glima mm -hmm. it's muscle memory so you have yeah. to get on the mat you have to practice you got to roll around there you've got to experience 
being at a disadvantage and then experience what you had to do to get out of that disadvantage. And then your body will remember it. That's, that's pretty much all it is, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> that's the short version of it. Yeah. Short, 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 short version. <laughs> so, how how long have you been uh, doing this? Did you start off with with uh, traditional wrestling and move on to this, or did you start with Glima? Uh, actually, my martial arts uh, story started when I was about six or seven years old. I uh, started training karate. Okay. Tutukan karate. Then it just progressed from there uh, into Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, um, Kyukushin Karate, which is a full contact sport where you can kick to the head and yeah, yeah it's a full contact uh, style of Karate. And then I went into MMA and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and then I met uh, one guy that turned me on to uh, to the Viking martial arts. I see. And then I went to uh, full steam ahead. Yeah. And how long ago was it when you first started with uh, Glima? That was in 2008. Okay. Yeah. Is there a ranking system in uh, Glima? Do you know, in, in other uh, martial arts, you have, you know, brown belt, black belt, green belt, whatever. Is there anything like that? Any ranking system in Glima? <laughs> For the purpose of getting students and keeping their uh, <laughs> keeping their enthusiasm up, uh, yeah. you have to have some some degree of advance. Uh, no way to chart that advancement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, levels, yeah, levels. But traditionally, no. Because that's what I was kind of trying to get into: is how do you motivate students to continue in it? when there isn't a solid belt system to measure their advancement through that training where does the motivation come from is it uh is it a love for the historical aspect of it that's one part of it yeah, yeah. but um when i had my gym uh or dojo or training facility um uh, so to speak uh i gave it uh, gave out diplomas okay so they um, gradually got their next diploma. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now you have succeeded in one year training, a two year training, one and a half. Okay. And so it was measured. Uh, it's just measured in how long they had been training. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then it progressed into uh, uh, we had the belt buckles. You know the tactical belt buckles. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Green and. Uh, blue and uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just to keep the motivation up. So, so the real, the real uh, motivation came from competition. Okay. Where um, I put my guys into fights with you know complete strangers. Yeah. Which knew how to fight. Yeah. And if they won that. We had a little celebration. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's is strictly based on the merit system. I mean, they, they did the work, then they were recognized for the work they did. I kind of like yeah. that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, because uh, on any given day, a black belt, and I'm not going to name a martial art. No, no. Blank, right? <laughs> <laughs> on any given day, a black belt 
could, in theory, uh, lose to a white belt. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a hail mary from sure, the left sure. flank, and you're out, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's the time accumulated. Exactly. Exactly. That, uh, this belt represents right. Yeah. So. Well, you know, you you watch uh, you can watch MMA on uh, on UFC, and the one mm-hmm. uh, fighter might be a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and the other guy uh, they might refer to him as just a mixed martial artist in other words he yeah. doesn't have a black belt in anything and he yeah. might win he might beat the you know the yeah. one that has a black belt in in brazilian jiu-jitsu or black belt in whatever so that belt of course it means something it symbolizes the work that has been done but it's not every martial art that goes by that belt system people need to be aware of that just because you're not a black belt in this that doesn't mean that you yeah. can fight and even though you have a black belt you may lose. You got. You have black belts, and you have black belts. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Well, there's stories out there of different dojos or different gyms who who have, um, you know, one or several black belts, and it's and it's it's mm. it's fake. They haven't earned it. Yeah. They may. Uh, well, you you can see that stuff all the time on YouTube about um, yeah. the fake martial arts. Yeah, and and and, oh. and it's kind of sad that that is happening because martial arts, I mean, I have such a respect for it. I've never, I've, I've, I take, I took some classes uh, some years ago when I was in college, but other than that, I've never really looked into, I've never sub, sub, submersed myself Submerse in that, in that world of martial arts, but it has always fascinated me. And I've always had an enormous amount of respect for those athletes and those practitioners. So when I see these people who do this yeah. fake stuff, um that's got to make you guys a little bit upset well not the not the fact that they they're doing it mm-hmm. but i i feel so sorry for the students that okay. really that's a good answer they, yeah. they come in there and they train for x amount of time yeah and they really really think that they're the shit <laughs> they are the business yeah, yeah. they they know how to defend themselves and then a real situation comes up, and they're pushing everyone else behind themselves. Yeah. I got this, yeah. and then just get their shit kicked <laughs> in. Their faces you know? kicked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The teeth and nose, yeah. possibly even death. You know, you know. And I would because think- they they have this uh, this false sense of security. Right. This false sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so you as a uh, now you you had your own um, training center. What do you, what do you call it? A, a dojo or a school for 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 yeah. Um Yeah. It it was originally a dojo for Japanese jujitsu. Okay. And then uh, yeah. it progressed into Glima. Okay. That. Yeah. So that was a big undertaking for you. Um, oh yeah. That's a big. That's a large amount of responsibility. You know, as we just got done talking yeah. about, there's some there's some leaders. Uh, in the in the martial arts world, who are fake and they're getting their students hurt, so that was a big mm-hmm. responsibility for you to take over. Oh, yeah. Of um, course, yeah. That how how did you feel about that? Was it uh, was it smooth sailing? Was it was it nothing but fun? Or can can you do you have any challenges you can talk about? Oh yeah, it was, oh, it's it's a lot of restrictions. It's a lot of uh, paperwork. Uh, that comes that goes into you know having a facility like that how so and paperwork 
Yeah, you got resp responsibilities for the people that you train, first of all. For their health, uh, of course. For the health of them, you know. You can't, you can't let them fight each other to the point where they break each other if you, if you know what I mean. because aren't there and a lot of restrictions there's a lot of restrictions in norway about um i remember when uh cecilia brekhus mm -hmm. what a what a fantastic uh, uh boxer uh where i bowed down to her oh my gosh that's oh my, my hero that, she is my hero but wasn't wow. there there was a big controversy because for years she was not allowed to box in norway because norway yep. had restrictions mm -hmm. on on that so yeah. how how so so that affects you at the dojo level then that affects you in what you're allowed to allow your students to do yeah in, com in competition yeah it's not it's not allowed but you can train mma and boxing uh wrestling you, you can train all these martial arts in 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 the gym but it's it's when the competition part comes in professional competition so so how do you so how do you guys get to really truly test your capabilities then when the competitive side of it is so restricted here in norway that was an interesting thing because we had viking markets we arranged viking markets with uh, uh viking tents and sales uh, with the uh, viking artifacts yeah uh, the thing that we made clothes, uh, uh, swords, things for the kids, you know, lanterns, uh, yeah. everything. Yeah. And then in that Viking market, we had also a uh, competition. Okay. So we invited people. So did you guys we, get a? Uh, did you guys get a little bit more uh, rough and realistic than? the government maybe would allow <laughs> <laughs> nobody's listening say, nobody's yeah, listening to this so. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was an interesting era <laughs> <laughs> well because in, in in all seriousness i i do wonder how any martial artist whether it's gleam or whether it's the different forms of karate jujitsu boxing i truly wonder how they can test themselves in their craft in norway it seems to be so limiting because of that yeah. government oversight and they're, they're I, I say they're overprotective. I'll just say it. I believe the government yeah. is overprotective. Yeah. You got more deaths in uh, cheerleading than in martial arts. Yeah. Yeah. And you, if you, if you combine all the martial arts, uh, that, that are trained in Norway all the way down to, uh, um, Taekwondo up to uh, MMA, there are no deaths. But in cheerleading on a global scale, there's, uh, yeah, they're falling, they're yeah. breaking their necks and, and, and yeah. dying. It happens more often happens. than people would uh, think possible. Yeah. Yeah. And but they want to control their. Professional MMA, uh, at least uh, as far as I know. There's been one death, and that was in uh, Dublin, I think, or Ireland. Yeah, I've heard Somewhere. people say, uh, people throw up statistics and facts that um, MMA is less um, destructive, so to speak. I mean, there's less deaths in mm -hmm. that than there are in boxing. 
there, there are less uh, damages, you less know, damages life-changing well. yeah. damages yeah. Uh, in MMA than in boxing, yeah. because boxing are it's primarily uh, focused on the head, right? And in, in a MMA fight, you can have one punch to the head and the rest on the mat. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's wrestling from there on, yeah. or knees to the body, elbows to the thighs, yeah. you know? Although some of those MMA fights are pretty doggone brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Ferguson versus Gaethje, that was an amazing fight. Uh, recently do you um do you ever included. watch do you ever watch they have the um the extreme sport channel here in norway and mm. there is a mma league in south africa called the efc uh no, I not the ufc but the efc you should check that out if you have uh yeah. if you have the extreme sports channel you should check that out Okay. Um, it's it's uh, a good channel. <laughs> oh, I, I I love it. That is actually, of course, when 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 the UFC first started, I remember very clearly watching the very first UFC fight, and mm. they were showing it on regular television for quite a while. And this was before there were any rules. I mean, they had yeah. they had guys you know wearing shoes and kicking each other full in the face when they're down uh -huh. and stuff like that. Football kicks. Well, yeah, I, and I remember, I believe it was in the very first UFC or one of the first, there was this big fat guy. This guy must have weighed about 400 pounds, like, like 200 mm -hmm. kilos. Yeah. And his opponent was, you know, a regular size guy, maybe, maybe 110 kilos, you know, around 200 yeah. pounds, 220 pounds. And the yeah. fat guy had gotten knocked down and he's on his hands and knees mm -hmm. and he's kind of dizzy. And then his opponent just, he, he took his time. He sized it up, and then yeah. it was just a full force soccer kick to the face. Yeah. And you could see the fat guy that got kicked. You could see a couple of teeth flying out and going yeah. all that the way across. That was UFC one. That was UFC the very first one. one. Okay, you've seen it then, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I I distinctly <laughs> remember watching that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. This I is saw an interview is with um, with uh, I think it was Frank Shamrock. He was sitting in the back. Uh, watching this fight and about to come out to fight in that octagon <laughs> and they they saw it on the monitor in the back and they all just everyone just sighed and looked at each other and what the f <laughs> signs up to here yeah. this is real <laughs> it was crazy then you know it was it was it was legal to headbutt uh pull in mm, hair everything. I poked everything. Yeah. Everything. So, I remember uh, this one guy had one boxing mitts on, boxing glove. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And and the other was uh, I remember that guy, yeah. <laughs> just why? <laughs> if you could yeah, take if you could take if you could take some of those fighters and bring them up, you know, bring them into the future, the same age, the same form that they had back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and bring them up to today, I wonder how they would do. I don't think they would they, do that well, because people have oh gotten... No, they wouldn't fare that well. No. no, I don't think so, because the training methods of today are light years beyond. I mean, you can see it in oh, the yeah. athleticism in these, in these mm -hmm. fighters. It's a totally different yeah. world. The best ones to ever do it is a guy that named uh, John Jones. I love that guy. You, yeah. but, but do you think he was more exciting to watch than Anderson Silva? No. No. 
I think Anderson Silva was so. That, I mean, that's he, my goats. That's my goats. <laughs> Anderson Silva, and then the second place is George St. Pierre, and then you have the John Jones. John Jones, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he uh, he trained in whoop de doo martial arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, I trained whoop de doo. <laughs> well, and there's a perfect example of. of um, what we were talking about before that you don't necessarily have to be a black belt in, in a, in a well-known martial art to be a successful MMA fighter. No. So, so I'm well, thinking what you need to do is, uh, you have to be good at combining everything together. So, so you as a gleam practitioner, how good are your hands? Do you do any handwork for, for striking? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I trained many years in uh, Kyokushin Karate and of Japanese course, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, so you got the, yeah. and some boxing. Okay. So and kickboxing as well. So you've so got the, my you... hands and feet. Uh, they're, they're not. You know, I'm I'm not overly good. I'm well, not, muscle memory, know, like you're expert in yeah, everything, but but muscle memory, like we were talking about. You know, you yeah, you, yeah. you practice it. You trained it before. It's still it's still yeah. there. It's still there. Yeah, I'm, I can hold my own. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, tournaments and competition and whatnot. What? How much experience do you have there? Because again, we have these restrictions uh, here in yeah. Norway. So, how much tournament experience have you had personally? Oh, uh, with Glima, it's been many, many fights. Because um, in one Viking market, you maybe have ten or twelve fights in one day yeah and yeah. they are pretty serious with the elbow strikes and the knees and uh kicks uh, uh to the ankles are you guys wearing no pads no no pads yeah so this is nope. bare knuckle this is yeah, <laughs> yeah bare knuckle but you can't fight with a bare knuckle with a clenched knuckle okay with a clenched fist i see because on the on the battlefield, you had mitts on gloves, right, to protect oh, your course. hands. Yeah, yeah. So you couldn't make a fist. Right. So it's open palm strikes. I saw. I was looking online. Uh, I, I, I do my research. I did a little research before this episode, and I was okay. looking online at, at traditional leather gauntlets that the Vikings had. They mm -hmm. had these leather, like you say, like mitts. It wasn't even like a glove. It was just this big, thick thing that yeah. covered the hands. And I remember thinking, this is a couple of days ago, I was thinking, how in the world did they make a fist? And you're telling me, yeah, yeah. they didn't. They didn't they make didn't. a fist. Yeah. I could see, because it didn't cover, the fingers were open, so I could see yeah. where you would be able to grab a weapon. But yeah. to make a fist looked impossible. So, okay, yeah, you tell me they don't, uh, they don't do that. No, they didn't. Um, didn't make a fist. They had open palm strikes to the face. I see. And to the body. But so it was just a bunch of Vikings. Uh, it was just a bunch of Vikings bitch slapping people, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> if, uh, if you if you go into a punch um, a concrete wall, would you punch it with your knuckles or with an open hand? Exactly. Well, there you go. It's common sense, go. actually. If you think about it, if you think of the mechanics of it, yeah. 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 And it is. You can generate a lot of power in that <laughs> open palm strike, and I can tell you that. <laughs> um, Moses are cracking with uh, those as well. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> 
let's let's go over a little bit to uh, uh, away from the fighting the 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 martial part of of of, of uh, Viking life, and let's go over to the. I don't know the cultural, the societal part of Viking. Yeah. Uh, you you mentioned briefly uh, something about Viking laws. Now there are Viking laws um, yeah. that have been in place for for centuries, and there is a, from what I understand, a growing group of Norwegians who are taking up these traditional Viking laws and they're applying mm-hmm. them to their lives in our modern society. Yeah. Where where is is it a um, where where are these where can someone find these laws and how difficult is it to implement into uh, modern life? It's not difficult difficult at all, you know. It's, because a lot of it goes like, on honor, does it not? Honor uh-huh. and uh, honor and honesty and equality and those should be things that are easy to integrity. Yeah, uh, honesty, uh, humility, you know, um, be a good person, yeah. you know, don't, we have a law here in Norway called Kardemummerloven, which is uh, basically, uh, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're basically. right, you're right, that's basically yeah. what it is, yeah, yeah. 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 And if you if you if you live by that, you know, <laughs> you could almost uh, you could you could almost compare that to the biblical uh, rule of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's basically yes. the same thing. Yes, basically the same thing. Basically um, the same thing. Because now I know that there is, uh, at least among my American friends, I know a lot of people when they think of modern Viking law practitioners, they think uh, right wing, they think racist, they think neo-Nazi. And that's not the case. Um, I know that because I know that because I live here. You know, I spoke with uh, a Gilbarle Jonsson a few episodes ago, and he's one of the sweetest, kindest men that I've ever ever met in my life. Uh, he and his wife have adopted black children, mm. for goodness sakes, and and they are practitioners. Yeah. You know, they follow the Viking the Viking laws. So, what what is this thing? Why are neo Nazis trying to take over Vikingness? If we can use that word, they try to take it over. They try to make it into something that it's not. Yeah. This stems from uh, the Second World War. Basically, uh, Hitler had uh, a fascination of the Norse mythology. He had yeah. a fascination of everything Viking, and he he incorporated incorporated the swastika in his uh, um, national party or the Nazis. Yeah, <clears throat> and then because the swastika is not. Uh, Specifically, Viking either. You know, they found it in uh, they found a Buddha with yeah. the swastika on his head. Yeah, they found it in Egypt. It's a sun uh, sun cross or yeah, whatever. yeah. It's in many many cultures. But Hit- but, uh, but Hitler and his boys took that up and kind of made it their own. So ever since then, yeah. you mention a swastika, or you see a swastika. That's what people think of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about the new Nazis, you, you think swastika, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And you see Vikings, that's swastika. Yeah. And then uh, Maltese cross uh, has a meaning. When we see symbols like this, we tend to think about different cultures. When you see a lotus thing, you you think about Indians, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the swastika is so connected to uh, our culture, uh, our national heritage, and also with Hitler. But it, I, I, if you if you think just two seconds for yourself, Viking Age was from nine no seven. 93 to 1066. Hitler, he lived in the 90, <laughs> beginning of the uh, 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. Who has the claim? Oh, that's exactly. what Who has the claim of that culture? Exactly. Not Hitler. But it's and, a but it's a problem. The Vikings, uh, Vikings, they took the best warriors, the best uh, some would say females as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I married uh, one. I married one. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, man. Good for you. <laughs> she, she's a handful, but she, best. she's a handful, but it's a good handful. So yeah. <laughs> No, but but you guys you, go. you know the the thing about the Viking laws, it, like like we said it's based in integrity and honor and mutual respect. Um, mm. for anyone who thinks that it's not that to me, that's a person who is not willing to read history because yeah. it's documented. It's yeah. documented yeah. that the Vikings were a very open society. Mm. Um, I was talking with our mutual friend, Irun uh, Temte, and he was telling me the story of the Black Viking. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is ri it's written. This is a story, and it's not a story about you know, that disgusting black Viking. I mean, he was a cool, accepted part yep. of that society. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> I told you, and we should, we should pitch a uh, Hollywood movie and, and I'll get, I'll get in shape. <laughs> I'll get in shape again and grow my hair long. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would fit perfectly into that. <laughs> <laughs> You, you got your uh, Viking lost uh, down to a T. Yeah. You even married one. <laughs> well, I even married one. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's a sad thing that, um, that uh, a lot of people, uh, especially back home, you know, they see this, uh, they see a blonde guy maybe with a lot of tattoos. He's bearded. He's got long hair. And he's got these crazy looking, uh, uh, as we say in America, runes, but, uh, you know, on their arm and stuff. Yeah. And immediately people will think, oh, that guy must be a racist. That guy must be a neo-Nazi. Yeah, automatically. His automatically, parents, yeah. Uh, his, uh, his looks uh, will say that he doesn't like other races. Right. And that's, that's just stupid. That is uh, stupid. Uh, that's just I don't know what to say well that's judging that. that's judging on appearance and sometimes yeah. the same people who are doing that they don't want that done against them so again we go back to treat others <laughs> the way you would yeah. want to be treated um, course, yeah. but to me it's a fascinating thing and it, it's it's you know you, you have Gleam which is the martial or the, the warrior side of it but then you also have this this 
side that is applied in daily life. And it's such a compassionate and warm, uh, warm thing. It's a, in a, a lot of people don't think of Vikings as compassionate and warm. They think of the warrior, the killer, you know, the brutal, the brutal side of it. How does that match? How, do, how, do, how does that mold into one concept, the violent side, but then the compassion, compassionate side? How do you explain that? Uh, <laughs> I can see I can see the wheels I can see the wheels going around I see the wheels going around <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I mean I get it I get it I see it yeah. I see you guys but how for someone who doesn't understand your ways how can you explain to them that this violent side this violent historical uh, perception is able to melt with the open-hearted, compassionate, and accepting side. When you see the Viking community back in the day, the traditional Viking community, you couldn't fight with your neighbor, right? Right. You had to take care of your neighbor. Yes. And the, the people that you live with. And it's a village with, let's say, 200 people. You can't go and raid your, your neighbor's house and no. pillage and uh, take everything he has. No. Because then your next neighbor is going to take uh, revenge for that. Right. And you would, you would be standing in the court for, the, for it, you know, yeah. at the thing. So the, the compassion and the gentle side of you know Viking community uh, what's that but when they really wanted something <laughs> they switched on the the berserker right because when you come into battle then the the Norse mythology comes into place you wanted to die in battle because that was a glorious battle a glorious death and then you were ascended to, uh, to Odin yeah you wanted that and you wanted to make the gods proud, right? Yeah. And you really family. wanted to make your mark in Valhalla. And yeah, and your family. You wanted your family to be and, proud of and remember yeah, of you, course. and remember your legacy. Yeah, you wanted to bring everything you could home to your family and your village and your community, right? Yeah. All the gold, all the silver, all the gems. Yeah. Uh, the slaves, of course, the strongest slaves, uh, spices. You know, everything that you could uh, get your hands on, right? And, and then you have to switch on the berserker. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that you, uh, in some ways, train to be, to, you know, uh, flip that switch. To be able to turn that on, yeah. Yeah, but... I think there were psychopaths back then as well. You know? <laughs> I'm sure there were. I'm sure I'm there sure were. There were. <laughs> yeah. But the general the general rule is that when a Viking had to fight, he fought with reckless abandon. Well, not reckless. It was very calculated, and they were skilled. But mm -hmm. he fought with his entire self, and he gave yeah. his all, and he was prepared to die. He almost wanted to die. He wanted to die. He wanted he to die. Prepared. Not almost. He wanted, he to, wanted die. to die. Yeah. To die. <laughs> but then, but then. When the battle was over, uh, isn't it true that the Vikings showed, I mean, they turned that compassion on immediately. Um, like if they took over, uh, they took over a village or whatever. It wasn't all about abusing 
the people who no. they had conquered. They were incorporated into their society with full value, mm -hmm. full rights, and equality. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's um it's kind of like fight fire with fire. And when you come to shore in a uh, foreign country and your objective is to bring down the soldiers. Yeah. And you don't know how strong they are. So you really have to give it your all. Sure. And many times they just ran through these people. Yeah. Ran through these uh, civilizations with some ease and some had difficulties, of course. But they were so turned on by the thoughts that they <laughs> wanted to meet Odin in Valhalla. Yeah. And they wanted to make him proud. They wanted him to uh, pick them uh, in front of, you know, the others. Yeah, yeah. And you have to really give it your all. But and when that side of it is, is over, there's no need to slaughter down kids and uh, right uh, and women. Yeah. And there, uh, what's it called? Kevin, the scene. Yeah, their view towards women. Yeah, view toward, towards women. It is, uh, it's, it's unmatched even today. How so? How so? For instance, uh, if you didn't um, make your woman happy as a man, the only thing she had to do was go outside in front of people and say, I'm getting a divorce three times and <laughs> you were divorced. Holy Lord. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so that point. I mean, and then you have to, uh, the, um, uh, half of the, uh, the farm, half of her belongings went to, straight to her. Yeah. I've actually read that. Yes. She would go out in public and she said it three times that she wanted yeah. a divorce. And after the third time, so be it, you're divorced. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah. And that's a big humiliation for the man. Because again, I can't remember how it's worded, but in the Viking laws, there's something specific about how a husband is supposed to treat his wife and elevate her. And if something, yeah, something along those lines. And if he doesn't do yeah. it, then he has failed. Um, I kind of like yeah, that. You fail as a man if you, if you don't make your woman happy, you know? And when you were out pillaging and on a raid or went a Viking, as uh -huh. it's called, uh, she went, she walked around with all the keys. That was the treasure chest. That was the weapons chest. That was the keys to the to the farm, and she was, you know, the um, responsible for the for, for, the, for, the, for the, whole. the whole farm. Yeah, yeah. She went out, milked the cows. Uh, I wonder if that's why that it was to do on the fields. I wonder if uh, that's she, why she my Snoopy. I wonder if that's why my Snoopy is so doggone tough. And I think that yeah. that is, uh, I'm being dead serious now. I think that Norwegian women, I, I can say this. I had, I went to school with somebody <clears throat> once who, um, now where I grew up, it was out in the uh, rural area of Ohio. There weren't a lot of black people around there. And this girl, uh, this woman actually, uh, when I, when I met her some years after 
high school and she's she found out i was married to to my wife my norwegian wife and she says oh yeah i always knew you would marry a white girl and i told her i told her she is not a white girl she is a norwegian woman and those are two very different things i say in all different things (laughs) it is i say in all seriousness norwegian women have something different about them they have a certain toughness and i don't think i you know i don't know if that's because of the viking roots and the viking tradition i don't know what that is but it is a fact i think and i think a lot of people would agree people have agreed with me before norwegian women are just tougher they have a certain strength and a certain resolve and a certain toughness that that Mm. yeah in general not all of them but in general much of that is cultural but also well, does that, that culture? Yeah, but does how, that, how you brought up, you know? But does that culture? Can that culture thing be traced all the way back to the Viking times? Is that something that still has some influence in the Norwegian society today? Do you yeah, think? I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. You so know, some some people embrace their Vikingness, <laughs> and others don't. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's just part of it. Uh, some people are ashamed of being from this culture, from this land, from this glorious and amazing heritage. You know, well, it's a fascinating country. I've been living here for twenty years, and and every day I wake up and it's like, oh my gosh, am I really here? I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you know, I I tease and I make fun of you know my wife and I make fun of Norway in general, but as but, you should, <laughs> as as I should. Well, I tease because I love. I think yeah, it's a fascinating yeah. place. It's a fascinating culture. But you you say as you say, there are some people who actually act as if they're ashamed of being Norwegian. Why do you think that is? What is it they're ashamed of? I think it's uh, the stamp of uh, the new Nazi thing. Yeah. Because uh, they also are of the impression that if you're a Viking, you're a new Nazi. Yeah. Uh, it's just a totally wrong conception because you know I, I've, I've, I've told you this so many times every time I see you uh, <laughs> now it's been a while because the gyms have been closed but when I see you at the gym what do we do we come to each other we talk yeah. it's always a good conversation and the warmest hug I'm not afraid yeah. to hug my brothers my, my, my guys who are my, my, my brothers you give the greatest hugs and it comes from the heart and I can feel it yes it does really and the, the the same thing with uh, you know a lot of a lot of the followers of uh, of the Viking laws, Viking culture. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the best way to you know open up uh, conversation, open up uh, a sharing. I you think know, so. When you yeah. meet some, when you meet some uh, another brother like you, you don't want to start that off with a handshake. <laughs> you want to give it a hug, you know. If you think about where the it's handshake, the yeah, and if you think about the origins of the of a handshake, a handshake is to show uh, the opposing person that you don't have a weapon. Mm. That's where the handshake originated from. And I, if you if you want to look at it in historical terms and try to apply apply that to today, why would I need to show someone like you that I don't have a weapon? You're already right. my friend. You're already my brother. So get that yeah. hand out of the way. Give me a hug. You know. Of course you're unknown. <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, that's uh, that's actually a thing. A Swedish hug. 
Oh, a Swedish hug. Yeah, what's, a what, Swedish hug what's, what's in Viking, uh, Viking age was they had a little knife in their hand while they were hugging you. Oh. So they stabbed you in the back. Okay, yeah, so that hand a that Swedish goes around hug. the back actually has a knife. Oh, boy, yeah. those Swedes, those Swedes. Those <laughs> Swedes, huh? <laughs> you know, they try to, Swedes will try to steal that Viking persona, but that is, the Viking persona is... Uh, Norwegian and Icelandic. It's not. It's not Swedish. It's not Danish. It originates with the Norwegian culture. <clears throat> well, or am I am I wrong? Uh, sort of. Yeah. Because okay. It wasn't separated into Nor Norway, Sweden, and Denmark at that time. It was Scandinavia. Yeah, one place. The north. So the Swedish side, you know, uh, the Vikings on the Swedish side, as we call it now. They went to you know, Russia, and Swedish Vikings were called Rus. Yeah, and they took over Russia, Ruslan. Exactly. Okay. So the the yeah. Swedish Vikings took over Russia. Okay. Uh, so, or, or the <laughs> Swedish side. The Vikings. Swedish side of the Vikings. Yeah. 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 Okay. And the Norwegians, on that side of the of the land, we went to Lindisfarne and took over that. You know, uh, the Newfoundland. And I guess that's what I'm thinking of because the the image of Vikings in the old days was the Vikings on the boats, the seafaring Vikings. Mm -hmm. And that's why, at least in my mind, I always associate that with the Norwegian side because it's yeah. Norway that has the coastline, the outer coastline. Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. But it was also inland Vikings. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. Well, they couldn't yeah. swim. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the land crabs. <laughs> <laughs> No, I uh, uh, the Norwegian Vikings they went to Newfoundland 500 yeah. years before Columbus. Yeah, forget that Columbus crap. He was far from the first uh, uh, non-native yeah. to set foot on those shores. Um, there's even a strong case for saying that even before the Vikings came, that Africans came to North and South America. Um, in Central America, those those statues, I cannot remember what they're called or where they're, but there's these statues somewhere in Central America. Uh, and I should know this because I read about this all the time. But there are some, <laughs> uh, there are some statues. Is it the Eastern Island statues? No, no. It's, it's, on, it's on the mainland and it's in Central okay. America somewhere. Um, and it's pre-Aztec, pre-Maya, pre-Inca. It's mm. centuries before that these 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 wow. uh, statues were built, and their faces are very clearly African. Okay, it's not like they they're similar to African faces. They they look blacker than I do. They are African <laughs> faces on these statues. Actually, you know what? I'm going to look that up real quick. Hold on, let me see. Uh, I'm I'm doing a Bill Burr. Bill Burr always stops his podcast to look things up. Let's see. Um, Funny you mentioned that. Uh, I saw one of his specials this morning, actually. Oh, okay. You know, uh, Bill Burr is uh, Bill Burr is one of my comedic heroes. That guy is yeah. fearless, and yeah. hats off to that guy. 
Yes. Uh, yes. Hats off to that guy. And and uh, if you listen to his, he talks podcast, about many controversial. Oh, uh, he's topics. not afraid. He is fearless. No. Fearless man. Let's see African statues in Central America. And of course, now my internet is slow on my phone. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, there are there are these these statues, and they look like Africans. And you hear stories through se several Native American tribes, both in Central America, South America, and North America, who talk about uh, the black faces or the black people mm -hmm. that came mm -hmm. through their lands at some point. Uh, Really, really fast. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to steal any thunder from the Vikings, but it's just, it's wow. just, it's just interesting to think that the traditional historical accounts that were taught in school, because we were taught in school, it was Columbus. Columbus was the first man there yep. and it's just not true. I want to know the truth, yep. you know? Well, if, if you're interested in history, then you have to look it up because what's, uh, what's taught in the schools is a diluted version of history yeah. Yeah. of the cultures of your heritage and every other country's heritage you know it's, so you it, really have to do a, a deep dig into uh into uh legitimate sources yeah get into the facts get into the legitimate sources i think that's something that's missing both in the norwegian society and especially back home in the united states mm -hmm. people are kind of listening to that figurehead whoever he or she may be and they're taking mm -hmm. everything that they say yeah. as the truth and yeah. if you if you're listening to the wrong figurehead you're going to be wildly misled yeah and you if know. you only listen to one source. exactly exactly you have to, just like martial arts, why do we call it mixed martial arts? Because it's a mix, and that is the best way to go. Yeah. You have to mix it up. You have to learn other things, you know, to combine into one. You um, can't just stick with one source. Are you still, talking about learning, are you still learning uh, when it comes to Glima? Or are you, oh, yeah. yeah. It's oh, an yeah. ongoing process, isn't it? You're never uh, finished with learning. How have you been able to train uh, in these last months since everything has been shut down and all that? How is that? No, no training at all? Well, I, I work in a um, uh, mental institution where we have a training room. So okay. I've been training some weights and a little bit of walks. You know, just maintain a little bit. Keeping the body I, loose, keeping the cardiovascular. Yeah, stretching, yeah. you know, stretching. Uh, yeah. You'll probably, you'll probably bounce back into shape very quickly. You, you know, you get on my nerves. You're so young and fit. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. I don't feel fit at the moment. <laughs> thank you. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a compliment in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, but I would imagine you would bounce back very quickly. You're still relatively young, and you were in great shape before all of this, and uh, and uh, the conditioning and whatnot will come back quickly. I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe yeah. and maybe I, I know for my for myself, you know, um, 
for a while I was, as you know, I'm a power lifter. So mm. here at home, I had, um, you know, I was doing body weight exercises in my garage. I have an elliptical machine in there and things like that. But after maybe three or four weeks of that, I got frustrated and, and, and bored. Mm. Uh, but now shortly I'll be getting a full set of everything I need to power lift. Everything hmm. will be coming into my garage very soon. And then wow. I'll have my, I'll have my focus back. I'll have my motivation back, but Good. it, but it Good. has been a challenge. I'm telling you, it has been a challenge to keep my motivation up. When that said, John Allen Reese, <laughs> you are hands down. The strongest man I have ever witnessed for myself. I have seen YouTube videos uh, of people squatting yeah. you know, 300 kilos, but I've actually seen you in the gym <laughs> with in the north side of 330 yeah. kilos on the bar. I think you were there the day I had 350 in training. That's the most I've ever yeah. lifted in training, 350 kilos. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was there filming the shits. Yeah. And I, that's right yeah you filmed it yeah so you filmed awe. it yes you filmed it yeah. for me that's right i was so in awe uh, and i i filmed the first part where you you know took it from the from the rack yeah and i just had to see it for myself i didn't want to see it through the camera lens <laughs> so I, I stopped filming and just watched <laughs> you that was that was uh, a spectacle <laughs> well i uh i try to apply i don't try i do apply the discipline that I've learned, the discipline that I've fine-tuned in my powerlifting training, I put that into my daily life. Um, yep. You know, you can't be a successful powerlifter if you don't set goals. You know, every training block is a 8 to 10 to 12 to 14-week block where I have an end goal. At the end of these weeks, I will be able to lift this much. And then yeah. it's following that path all the way through. And there's some symbolic, there's a symbolic thing that you can lift out of that scenario and apply it to daily life, setting mm -hmm. a goal, doing what it takes to achieve it, you know, meeting all of the hindrances and all of the, the challenges along the way and getting mm -hmm. through it or getting around it or reshaping that challenge so that you can continue towards the goal that's that's life right there that's life right there that's that's some you're spitting some knowledge now my friend <laughs> <laughs> well it's uh, it's uh, it's all the stuff that i've learned up through the years you know so um you know our friend Hague. You know, she, yep. she is, uh, she has been such an inspiration with my powerlifting. She's yeah. the one that, that kind of kicked me in the butt and made me start powerlifting because before that I was always a bodybuilder, but she always told yeah. me that I had a, a talent for powerlifting. Mm -hmm. So, so I've always, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I get my inspiration externally and then I internalize it and turn it into, turn that inspiration into action. And it's through people like her um, and her man, Ed Cohen, uh -huh. uh, people like you and Cristiano Iruna. I love when you guys are at the gym, man. It's like, okay, uh -huh. they're here. I got to perform. They're watching. It's I on. have to perform. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, you know, that's how I get my. Well, we, we, we think the same thing when we see you there, you know. Ah. This big massive block of a man we don't we don't uh, make them as big as you in norway i can tell you that 
your shoulders are as wide as your as your whole length. You know. Well, I'm uh, f- for those who've never seen me before. I'm. Um, I'm bigger than most Norwegians in the sense that I'm more muscular, but I'm quite short. I'm much shorter yeah. than the average Norwegian. You guys are a big country. Yeah, we're you, long. You guys are oh, very, very not, tall. Not yeah. close to it. So I, so I stand out in the crowd of, of uh, fit guys at the gym because I'm short and, and sturdy and squat. So, yeah. but, but you guys, and, and when you guys do your type of training, these different exercises you do, um, uh, for, for balance, for, for flexibility yeah. and mobility. Mm-hmm. That stuff fascinates me. I always joke with our Hands, friend. Hands, cartwheels. Yeah, so you know. And of course, all that's. Bells, yeah. Walking bunges, yeah so of course, all that stuff can be used to benefit you in, in Glima. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The core uh, muscles, the flexibility, yeah. the uh, internal muscle, strength the ligaments yeah. you know isometric training yeah biometrics well it's definitely motivating everything it's definitely motivating to see i i, I miss seeing you guys there it's, it's been <laughs> oh, yeah. it's been way too long and actually even before things shut down it had been a while already uh yeah. since i had seen you guys um now you you are out you also train people you've trained uh Temte. Yeah. As he was getting ready for the most recent Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, uh, Captain movie, Marvel yeah. movie, Bron Char uh, and Captain Marvel. How how did you guys get that gig? How did you guys get to to be trainers for him? Oh, uh, this started in I think it was two thousand ten, something along that timeline. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but it was uh, a few years ago. Yeah, he wanted, or he had a part in uh, the Last Kingdom as Uba. Yeah. So he uh, contacted me uh, on Facebook. Me and my trainer at the time, uh, and uh, you know, uh, and took it from asked there. As if, asked us as if we wanted to train him. Yeah. So we said yes, uh, of course. This was uh, a well-known actor in the in the um, in the local community. Yeah, yeah he's I, he's of something course. of a he's something of a celebrity here in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> although yeah. although I have to say I I didn't know he was an actor. It took a long time after I met okay. him because the guy is, he's just so down to earth and he's not yeah. like, hi, I'm going to attempt a Hollywood actor. He doesn't do that. No, 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 no. He, he, you know, so I just, I knew, love that guy. yeah, I just, I so I just guy. knew him as Runa and, and, and yeah. he was just, just the nicest guy, another good hugger. He'll give a hug yeah. at the yeah. drop of a hat. And then it came out later. I think it was, I think Christian said something about training him. Yeah. for the upcoming movie and then i'm like oh he's an actor and then i'm mm-hmm. thinking he's you know j- i don't want to say just a norwegian actor but i thought maybe yeah. he's getting ready for some show here in norway but then yeah. it came out no this is a hollywood production yeah. that, and i'm like oh okay but uh, just a great guy he's so down to earth i love that guy yeah, very down to earth yeah. very uh, uh respectful guy oh yeah uh, yeah Kind-hearted. Uh, well, I can tell you about his kind. Good guy. Yeah, I can tell you about his kind-heartedness. I had a talk with him uh, some months ago. Um, 
he had seen that I had posted an obituary for my son who, mm, who died yeah. of the heroin overdose. And yep. I ran into Aruna after that at the gym and he just gave me a big old hug and he was just so supportive. Yeah. And I, 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 I love that guy. He, he, he that, brought, that, he, he brought, yeah, that's yeah. him. He brought tears to my eyes with the compassion yeah. and, and, mm. and the love that he gave me. So shout out to Aruna Tempta. I just love him. Shout out to Aruna Tempta. Yeah. He's an outstanding guy. So you guys, you guys got that, uh, that job to train him up and then, and, and then you did. I mean, he, 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 there was a transformation that occurred yeah. in his physique, in his strength, in his flexibility. Yeah. Well, I, I trained him up to that the TV series, uh, Last Kingdom, first of all. And then he had uh, a movie, uh, a role in um, Eddie the Eagle with yeah. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. So... Um, and a couple other roles before that. Yeah. And then he contacted me uh, for his upcoming role in the Captain Marvel thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, <laughs> if I can help and I, if I can contribute to something that, uh, you know, benefits him, yeah. of course, he's, uh, he's a good friend. Uh, it's sure. not, it's not a business thing. No, because you guys when, have when a I good friendship. Him. It's a friendship thing. It's not a business. Yeah. And I can first see it. I, I see it when you guys are together. There's a friendship yeah. there. First and foremost. Yeah. And then he had to bulk up a few kilos. Yeah. That the production said, okay, we can have him, but he has to bulk up. Yeah. <laughs> so he contacted me and I knew Christian Arnason. And he is uh, a very interesting figure. Uh, yeah, is, I'm gonna yeah. have him. I'm gonna have him on. We've already talked about it. It's gonna happen. He just has to. Yeah, we just good. have to find the time to get him on. But he yeah, will be good. a guest here. Yeah. Good. Because yeah. he is an interesting figure. Yes, he yeah. is. Another guy <laughs> was, I can't. Yeah. Another guy I can't stand. Being so young and 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 with six pack abs and all, I can't stand him. <laughs> well he's 42 now and he has a six pack and no, that guy no is really fat. fit that guy is he was fit. born without body fat yeah <laughs> yeah you know he just uh yeah he was ripped from the womb <laughs> yeah yeah just coming out like a just just he, he came out ready for he came out ready for glima <laughs> well he's icelandic and that's uh unbroken chain from norwegians there so you go it's no wonder he's uh there Rich you go. Guy. Yeah. No, he's he's really fit and he's gonna be an interesting guest to have on. Yeah. No, so so you were saying so so you and and, and Christian uh took up this thing to train up Aruna for um for Captain Marvel. Yeah. He had to bulk up. Yeah, I, I contacted uh Christian because he he's a bodybuilder. Uh and not only a bodybuilder, but he's uh Certified in uh, kettlebells by Steve Maxwell. He's been to. Uh, uh, That's uni. right. I had forgotten that. Yeah, he's got that certification for kettlebell training. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he's trained with Ido Portal. Uh, many, many things that he can uh, touch on when mm -hmm. he comes on. But uh, he was the perfect guy, and he's a stand-up, just all-around good guy as well. I love yet him yet again, uh, just a good, a good person. Uh, yeah, it's a yeah. positive energy to yeah. have in that environment yeah. that Rune needed, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we we call him uh, fixed price. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, no yeah. discounts with that guy. <laughs> fix, fix price Christian. Yeah, he told me that too. Yeah, he said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the fixed price. There's no discounts. <laughs> it's still your sets, as the CT Fletcher says. <laughs> you know, and and I like that because that shows a certain amount of confidence. Yeah. You don't need to cheapen what you're offering. You, it's here's nope. what it is. If you want to be a part of it, here's what it is. I like yeah. that. I like that. And if you don't want to take part of it, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go on my merry way. It's a good. good uh, luck to you. It's a good positive <laughs> attitude. Well, that way you yeah. know when any anybody that you work with, you know they really want to work with you when you mm. present it that way. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, a uh, long story short, uh, I think Kiruna gained about, I think it was five or six kilos in the course of uh, six months. Yeah, about 10, 12, 15 pounds, that would be. And it showed, yeah. because he's a tall guy, he's a tall yeah. guy, so when he put on that extra muscle weight, and it was muscle yeah. weight, it showed, It was. It, it just showed right through, yeah. Yeah, he just looked like a fucking refrigerator when we were done with him. That yeah, was, he was he was he ready was, ready for that movie. He was ready. Yeah, not just strong, but also flexible. Yeah, I saw. I, like I say, I would watch you guys when you were training there at the gym, and he was you were putting him through a lot of mobility uh, exercises, yeah. and uh, you know, and I guess you would need that when you see the role that he played in Captain yeah. Marvel. You, he, he, he can't be stiff and and mm -hmm. and bulky. And he has to be twelve-hour days with stunts yeah. and uh, sitting still, and then from cold, sitting still up to stunts again. Yeah. He had to be in phenomenal yeah. shape. Now you guys, and the, and the thing training you, uh, a guy like Iruna, yeah. I have to give him props for this. Uh, just to take one example. <laughs> Christian said to him, at 8 o'clock, eat uh, one uh, jar of cottage cheese. Uh -huh. Just one time. We, we told him that one time. Yeah. Two months later, he said, can I please switch out the cottage cheese now? I'm sick inside <laughs> of cottage cheese. <laughs> so he did what his trainer told him to do. Everything. And stuck with it. Tea. And see, yeah, that, that's the perfect client right there. Yes. That's the perfect oh, yes. client. That's, that, that's, that's, that's the wet dream of every PT, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know what? <laughs> finding, finding that perfect client when you are a personal trainer or a fitness mm. trainer or whatever you want to call it, finding that perfect client is almost impossible because uh, I haven't done a lot of personal training i'm i'm kind of selfish i guess i'm always looking at my own training <laughs> but i when i have done it sometimes you f in, in fact very often i would find that client who to me it's a weird thing they trust you because they ask you to help them get into shape mm -hmm. but then when you tell them what they have to do they question everything and there's a there's a way to question mm -hmm. that will lead to giving you an answer to, to whatever you're wondering about. But then there's also a way of questioning that tells me that you don't want to do the work. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's two kinds of questions. This question, because you honestly and truly want the answer yeah. to this question. Yeah. And there's a question where the question you're 
um, credibility. Yeah, you know, and I would rather that right. they would just tell me that they don't trust me and they don't want to do the work, and then we can end the right. relationship right then and there. Mm. Not, they're not going to waste yeah. my time and my reputation, and they're not going to yeah, waste their they're not going to waste that, their own time. When I uh, when I had my gym as well. I didn't want those uh, those people who didn't want to train. Yeah. But I, I said to them um, when I came in, I have a bucket over there. If you have to puke, you don't have. You're not allowed to puke, stand up and puke. You have to do push-ups on, <laughs> on those chairs. I love it. While you puke. I love it. <clears throat> so I, I set the standard yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, of course, I didn't mean it, but. But, the, but the it's, mindset a, it's the mindset. To. Yeah, it's the mindset. Yeah. So do you ever think you'll go back to running a gym? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's something you yeah. want to do. Yeah. Well, I tell you, the market, I think the market, I, I think that I oh, it's something you are. Yeah. It's in your very soul, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 I, I, I love it. I absolutely love martial arts. Well, Not I tell you, I think so the market. martial sports, but martial arts. Martial arts. Well, I tell you, I think the market is going to be open. I think it's going to be kind of easy to start a gym because there's so many of them that are going under. There's so many of them that can't pay their rent for their yeah. for their training space, which is going to do something with the rental prices. I bet you they're going to go down because they're going to the 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 owners of these buildings are going to get desperate because yeah. from my experience of running, uh, I ran three gyms at one point. Uh, mm. The most difficult thing is getting the rent at a reasonable price so that you don't have so much overhead. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Another part of it is people are starving for um, some training. Some and people want to train. Yeah. 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 So. Well, I was looking, I was online. Like I told you, I'm building up my own gym. I'll be getting uh, everything I need here in a little while, except I would love to have a cable crossover machine. Mm. Uh, and you can't find them. I mean, they're showing up online and they're gone in ten minutes. Yeah. So there's a there's everything a, is yeah. you know scrapes. So there's the a new scrapes. yeah. So there's a new market out there for people you know like yourself who are going to get into uh, get into running their own gym again. Mm. Yeah. I don't know when that is going to fruition, but um, at some points, yeah, I'm going to start my own gym again. Well, I'm sure it's going to be successful. I mean, you have you have the right attitude. You can't help but be inspired when you are in the gym sweating. Like I told you, when you guys show up at the gym, it's like, okay, I'm going to kick it up a notch. Andreas and his crew are here. I got it. They're watching. <laughs> They're watching you. You better step up your game now. <laughs> No, but I, I truly, I truly respect uh, what you do uh, within your art, and I, and I truly appreciate your inspiration. I really do. Thank you, yeah. and I, I really admire you as well. It's with everything combined: the shoulders, the the hurdles that you've been through. Yeah, and you're still pushing it. Still oh, there yeah, and, you know, but that's heavy, heavy weights. But that's in my very soul. I'm, the way I'm looking at it is, okay, I've had seven, eight shoulder surgeries. Yeah. The last surgery is so serious that I'll probably never be able to bench more than, than 50 kilos ever again. So I'm oh. looking at that. Okay, that, that's the situation. So 
where is the challenge in that? Okay, the challenge is to be able to still compete in powerlifting. And the next thought is, okay, well, how will I still be able to compete in powerlifting? And the answer is, well, I have to, if I can only bench, you know, baby weights for, for bench, yeah. I have to raise my squat and I have to raise my deadlift. So it's yeah. like, okay, you here we go. In those, those so, areas. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so I'm just, I'm just doing the work so that I can continue to be successful in something that I love. It's really, it, that's what it boils down to. I yeah. love it. It's fun. It gives me a lot. So how, how do I continue to do it? And I just find mm. a way to do it. Yeah. That, that's the name of the game, man. That's the name of the game. Yeah. yeah. And it's all, it's not all about winning the first prize and gold. And it's about the way of life, right? Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you can't compete. Yeah. Sometimes you have to uh restructure your training yeah. sometimes you have to restructure your life well you know and it's a, it's, terms, a, yeah. it's a thinking game it's a it's a process of thought patterns it's a process of 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 analyzing things mm. uh whether it's your training honestly. or whether it's your life analyzing honestly analyzing honestly let's throw that word honestly because a lot of people set up a lot of unrealistic goals or they have a lot of unrealistic yeah. perceptions of themselves but what i like about powerlifting is is it's pretty much impossible to fool yourself you know either you lift the weight or you yeah. don't yeah <laughs> so, it's, so it's pretty straightforward there's no there's no That's room pretty honest yeah there's no room for bs in there so no yeah. either you you get up with those weights or you don't <laughs> exactly uh, yeah, it's a brute awakening. It's a, it's, it's a rude uh, awakening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Andreas, I tell you, this—it's uh, been too long since I talked with you, so I, I, I yeah. really enjoyed this. It was—it was good to talk with you again. This was really good. Thank you very and, much, and, and I'm honored to be on your podcast. Thank you. Oh, uh, I'm honored to have you, and uh, you've got a standing invitation. Uh, I call you—I call you—I call you brother for a reason. I, I, yeah. I send you much love, my friend. Okay. Thank you very much. Right back at you, my friend. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Bye, everybody. I'm coming home. Oh, I'm coming home. I'm, yes, I am. Yes, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Oh,